Welcome to Can't Stop, Won't Stop. I'm your host, Lindsay Ann. And in 2017, my sister-in-law, Egypt Covington, was murdered. And the local good old boys pinned it on her ex-boyfriend for three and a half years, claiming to need just one more piece of evidence. After protests, emails, phone calls, and fighting for a year and a half, this small town department finally gave her case to the state police. And within one week, you guys, they knew who one of Egypt's killers was, and we now have three cowards that pled guilty to her murder. None of them are her ex-boyfriend. We can't stop and we won't stop helping more families seek the justice they deserve. And we won't stop being warriors exposing the corruption happening throughout this nation. Let's do this! In episode 101, you got to know who Nate Singer is, how fun and adventurous he is, how goofy and playful he is, how kind and sensitive he is, and how shocked he and others are that he is currently incarcerated at SCI Rockview for extremely serious crimes. Nate is someone that I can relate to in that prior to these charges, he had never been in trouble, never been in handcuffs, never been in jail, never been in a turtle suit, except when my boys asked me to be a ninja turtle for Halloween, never been arrested, never been a criminal. In this week's episode, Nate goes into details about hearing his guilty verdict, turning himself in, handcuffed for the first time, and so much more. You will also hear statements provided to me from Nate's mother, her heart-wrenching recollection of this nightmare. Let's get right into it with hearing how and when Nate was made aware that criminal charges were in fact being pursued for a crime that Nate adamantly denies happening. Yeah, so um, when, when this all started, you know, before we even kind of knew the extent of everything, someone suggested me getting an attorney. So at that point, I just got myself a, a civil attorney from, from back home. And then from there, he was kind of in the, you know, correspondence with uh, Pennsylvania and the state police. And uh, there was one day 
in the beginning of August that he gave me a call when I was actually uh, abroad in a different country, and he said, uh, you know, you should probably, thinking about some different things, I just got a call from Pennsylvania State Police, and they want to, you know, pursue criminal charges, um, and he he was saying that he was speaking to them, and they agreed, um, you know, instead of putting a warrant out or, you know, trying to, trying to find me to arrest me, that uh, we would just schedule a day for, for me to come in to Pennsylvania, you know, for a, for a hearing and kind of a, a formal uh, arresting and hear, you know, the charges. Uh, and then from there, after that, um, I also got my uh, photo taken and, you know, fingerprints and, and all that jazz. So when you first got that phone call, though, from your attorney, what were you expecting that or were you completely shocked? Like what? Just to get that phone call, like they're actually pursuing criminal charges on you. Yeah, I I had so many questions for him. I didn't know how it came from just an investigation and a, a civil lawsuit to charges because, you know, for the past few months, you know, we knew there was an investigation going on, but he didn't think there was anything to worry about. He's like, there wasn't, there's no evidence, there's no witnesses. He didn't think that there was anything for them to go off of. So when I got this phone call, I was shocked. Like, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to expect. I still had, I think, almost a week that I was going to be uh, in a different country just kind of exploring and I just knew that, you know, my mind wasn't going to be in the right place. I was going to be, you know, panicking and stressing out about all this. So I actually canceled my flight and ended up booking a, a flight, I think, either that next day or two days later, I'd come home and just be able to deal with all this. And then mm. from there, it was probably about a week until, you know, we scheduled the day for me to me to come in for, for my arresting. Nate had his first hearing in front of a local judge in a small courtroom where he was read the police report, affidavit, and the charges placed against him. When I found out that I was getting, you know, formally uh, arrested and charged, I ended up having to, to switch to an attorney here in Pennsylvania because obviously my, my Massachusetts attorney, one, he was only civil, and two, you know, he didn't have jurisdiction. So that's when I went on the the search for probably at least a month trying to find an attorney and unfortunately Lance Marshall ended up in my hands. <laughs> so that's, that's where all that started. So uh, Lance kind of, you know, informed me that he was speaking to the judge and since I didn't have, uh, you know, a previous record or, you know, kind of anything against me that he believes he was able to arrange with the judge unsecured bail, meaning that I would just have to turn in my passport and I would be able, you know, to leave that day. And luckily that's, you know, he, he, he was good on his word for that. So once I, you know, heard the charges and everything, the judge, you know, asked, you know, hey, does he have his passport for unsecured bail? So I, I brought it forward. And then from there, uh, I just, once everything finished, I just had to drive up to the county jail, get, you know, the fingerprint and the photo and fill out some paperwork, sign some documents. From there, I, I went home for almost a year, which is pretty crazy to think. Jeez. So Nate was being charged with aggravated indecent assault, aggravated indecent assault on a minor, indecent assault, 
and indecent assault on a minor. And the judge let him walk free for almost two years. All he had to do was turn in his passport. I asked Nate if he found that surprising. I did. And especially, you know, from the, the hearing through the, the pretrial, the trial, the sentencing and everything, I was able to remain out on bail that whole entire time. So in turn, you know, from that first initial hearing in, you know, April of 2021 until you know, January of 2023, that's almost two years, I was out on bail the entire time just giving up my passport. And so that, that's, that was kind of crazy. And, you know, in turn, being out on bail, the, the, the only bad thing about that is for all these, you know, criminal conferences and hearings and pretrials and everything, I probably had to go back and forth from, from Massachusetts to Pennsylvania at least five times over, over that two years. And so it's probably... Mm-hmm hour drive too so that definitely uh you know a good 3 a.m wake up call to get to the courthouse by nine o'clock how many hours did he say probably about seven hours without traffic now did you always attend those by yourself or yeah so yeah every time i did it you know on my own it was you know stressful and you know i was scared and anxious because you know i didn't Every time I went, I didn't know if I was going to be coming home or not. I was, you know, very surprised each time that they let me remain out on bail and I was able to drive home. So, you know, every time I I had that court hearing or, you know, the pretrial or trial or conference or anything, I kind of was, I tried to meet up with family and, you know, make sure like I had stuff packed, like I wasn't, you know, leaving my my whole life out, you know, in, in, Mm -hmm. in the house, in the bedroom, just trying to prepare myself and everyone else for the possible, you know, worst case scenario. And then the worst case scenario transpired. Nate's mother described the trial as a blur and something that made no sense at all. She said that after listening to all the testimony and knowing the camp in question, quote, I knew none of this was even a possibility. There was no evidence, just her word against his, end quote. At the trial, I had my family, um, so mom, dad, sisters, and, you know, that was kind of just my, you know, my main support system. And it was hard, you know, getting more people to come just because of the, the distance of, how far it was, we didn't know how long it was going to take or what the outcome was going to be. For the sentencing, it was nice. I was able to also have my girlfriend at the time uh, and her friend, they came along uh, for a little extra support. That was really meaningful to myself. And then uh, the, the, the final trial, the, 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 tri- the full trial itself ended up, as we discussed. This you know, is a call from Pennsylvania State Correctional Institution, Rockview. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. It was a it was a two day trial as well, so you know not only were we at the, in PA for two days, but we had to get a hotel. You know we had to plan accordingly, stuff like that. So it was uh, quite the quite the weekend. We will get into greater detail about the trial in an upcoming episode. I was curious about what was going through Nate's head when he heard that the jury had reached 
a verdict. Panic, uh, anxiety, stress. I'm not really great with uh, the unknown or not being in control of something. So through this whole process, you know, knowing that I did as much as I could, but still did not have the control of the outcome, just completely freaked me out. And I think, you know, my family as well, that's a hard thing is, you know, not only am I affecting my current situation and my future, but, um, you know, it's kind of getting passed along to family and friends, which is the hardest thing, especially being in here and not being able to help them out as, as much as I would like to. But, yeah, getting that, saying that there was a verdict after, you know, almost seven hours of deliberation, just hoping for the best and then... Charge after charge, then, you know, coming back with with a guilty verdict. Well, so, so during this seven-hour deliberation, are you, like, do they put you in a, a room by yourself? Are you able to walk around the courthouse? Are you able to sit with your family? Yeah, um, <laughs> I was just twiddling my thumbs. We went, uh, you know, we hung out for a little bit, went to, went to lunch, went to dinner across the street. You know, they, and then they, you know, we got interrupted during lunch a few times because the, the jury came back with some questions. So wherever we were, you know, we had to reconvene back in the courtroom. Even though I didn't participate in this at all, I still had to be present for them asking the questions and everything. But yeah, so it was just seven hours of just sitting around hoping for the best. Oh my God, I bet that was the longest seven hours of your life. I can't even imagine. So especially, you know, I mean, I would have, I would have meetings, you know, throughout this time with, with Lance as well, um, you know, just kind of going over what he, what he thought was happening. You know, at first it was, I don't, you know, I don't think you're going to be found guilty. And then it came back, you know, after five hours of deliberation, he said, you know, maybe you'll be found guilty on, on two counts. And then, you know, hopefully we'll, We'll be able to to walk out of here with the others, and then it just it just kept going downhill more and more. With court back in session, Nate and his family hear count one, aggravated indecent assault, guilty. Count two, aggravated indecent assault on a minor, guilty. Count three, indecent assault, guilty. Count four, indecent assault on a minor, guilty. I, it's really hard to kind of, you know, bring back that memory, but I mm. just, I, I turned and, and looked at my parents and just, and just saw their faces and them seeing my faces. It was, it was almost torture. Just, you know, my, I felt like my, my life was over. My life was ending. I had no control over what I could do with this. And I just felt defeated. Like I, I tried my best and I still lost this ridiculous fight. I cannot imagine what Nate and his family members were thinking in that exact moment. Here are Nate's mom's words about that moment in time. Quote, 
when they returned a verdict guilty on all four charges. My heart sank. As my son turned around and just looked at me with a totally lost, blank stare. The look that I cannot erase from my mind. The look that I still see every time I close my eyes thinking about that day. I felt so hopeless because there was absolutely nothing that I could do to make this nightmare go away. I had to stay strong for him and his sisters. End quote. I thought that it would be pretty safe to assume, you guys, that Nate was immediately put in handcuffs and taken directly to jail, especially with what he was found guilty of. Yeah, I, I, you know, I thought the same thing, and then the judge kind of just closed out the trial and gave us, you know, said that we'll we'll reconvene for sentencing, and <laughs> Lance Lance hurried us hurried us out of that courtroom as fast as he could. We were very surprised that I was able to go home that day, and you know, I I expected I heard those verdicts, and I didn't think I was going to be going back to my family and my home. I'm grateful that, that that's what happened is. Yeah, that was probably um, the fastest you've ever driven home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I was still in panic and, you know, shock, but I was very happy and lucky to be able to, to go home for another three, almost four months until my sentencing which was which was pretty crazy and we were very surprised at but it definitely gave me time to rethink everything and, and organize my life you know get everything that I needed to get done squared away you know pack up things into storage units and you know just try to not leave a mess for you know everyone else that you know I'm leaving behind I tried to be as as responsible and and courteous as I, as I could in, in in the situation that I was put in. So from the end of January until the beginning of May, Nate was waiting for his sentencing hearing. And he was not in jail. In the meantime, if Nate would have been arrested at his original hearing in April of 2021, he would have already served his minimum sentence and likely would have had all this behind him. But instead, after multiple continuances, Nate's sentencing hearing was finally going to happen in May of 2023. In May, you know, I got called back for the sentencing and that's when... I was, you know, read the the charges and and how long, and that's also where I uh, brought some some of the character reference letters to try to convince or, or persuade the judge, you know, for for kind of a different consideration of the the sentencing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think any of that helped at all, which you know, kind of didn't help my attitude or. 
or anything. But so from there, we had the sentencing. Um, and after he read everything, uh, he asked, "Is your is your client, you know, ready to, you know, be sentenced here?" And unfortunately, at, at that time, we were dealing with uh, a death in my family, and it was, you know, hard for me to be dealing with that as well as all of this. And you know, I wanted to be there for my family, and just it was it was very important. So, you know, we, we tried to pull some strings and, and do a few things, and we were able to convince the, the judge to let me stay out an additional, I think it was two or three weeks, uh, to be able to attend the funeral, uh, my grandmother. And after that, we had the funeral, and then two days later, me and my mom took a, a drive to Pennsylvania to the, the county jail. After Nate told me this, I gave him my condolences, and I'd like to share them with his family as well. I'm so sorry for the loss of your loved one. While I was happy that Nate was able to go to his grandmother's funeral, I was very surprised as well. If my daughter was the one that accused Nate of these charges, and he was found guilty I'd be irate if he wasn't immediately taken to jail. How and why was Nate Singer allowed to walk free for two more weeks after being convicted and sentenced to two and a half to five years? Is it because the judge didn't agree with the verdict? I don't know. But I do know that if my sister-in-law's killers were allowed to walk free after their guilty convictions, my voice would be heard. If I can remember correctly, the, the expressions on their faces were not too happy. Honestly, that kind of made me feel a little good, you know, kind of karma, but, you know, at least a little bit working in my favor. I know you mentioned that you didn't think that those letters helped. I, I have to say, I, I feel like something with the judge just seems to me that they didn't want to put you away. I, I, that's how I feel, just from all, you being out all this time, an unsecured bond, and being able, after you're, you're charged found guilty, still being able to be free, except you can't travel outside of the country because you're given given up your passport. Sure. I, I feel, I don't know, but we can, we'll get more into that when we go over the, the actual trial in an upcoming episode. I wanted to rewind a bit and hear about Nate's seven-hour drive with his mother to turn himself in. I was curious if they talked much cried, just listened to music, stared out the window. Well, here's Nate's mother's recollection. She says, quote, The day we had to drive back to Center County was extremely long, as we left about 1.30 that morning. It was just the two of us, and he spent most of the trip saying goodbye to family and friends 
that knew of the situation. Walking him to the receiving door at the county jail was very difficult, as he gave me a big hug, not wanting to let go. Then it was time for me to make the long drive home. I was blessed that he had gotten a chance to give me a couple of quick calls during that drive. But I also knew that it was going to be quite a while before I saw him again, end quote. And now let's hear from Nate and how he recalls that long car ride. I mean, that, that night before, you know, I was, I was up pretty late trying to <clears throat> still get my life together. So I probably was only on, you know, a few hours of sleep. Um, so at the, you know, at the beginning of the car ride, I, I tried to catch, you know, another hour or two of sleep. And once, once I got up, I, you know, it was a, it was a lot of just talking and some silence, you know, just thinking, mm. you know, what, what to expect. Well, I did some driving, I did some driving, but it was, I mean, what do you, what do you talk about in a situation like that? You know, you're, you're about to check your son into jail and, you know, for myself, I'm about to not see my family for probably the longest I've ever gone. So you get there and... You and your mom walking. Are you? Where'd you go? To the county? Is that where? Yeah, the county. The county jail. In Center County. Yep. Okay, so Center County Jail. You walk in, and then you just hug your mom, and you go into booking. Is that? I, I've yeah, never so been. I don't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope you never go. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. So first, she wasn't. She wasn't even allowed in. So before I even went inside, you know, I, you know, I gave her such a big hug and, you know, a kiss on the forehead and just told her to be strong and that, you know, we, we can, we can do this and it's going to be okay. And then, you know, I said the last goodbye and that was, that was really hard. I'm so sorry. I'm tearing up a little bit. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. I'm. I don't, I don't think. I don't think I've. I've brought this mm. memory back at all yet. So this is the first time. Mm. I'm sorry. Are you okay with still talking about it, or do you wanna? Yeah. No, we can. Yeah, we can. Okay. Talk. Okay. Was, I think. And also, what I was thinking, you know, as I went in, is now she has a seven-hour drive back home by herself. And so that was hard for me, you know, not just because I also didn't know, you know, when I was going to be able to make a phone call or be able to be in touch with anyone, you know, just telling them that I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I also was curious about the booking process for Nate. I walk in the door, um, I have to, you know, give up my property, whatever I had on me, I think I had a few things that my girlfriend at the time gave me a, a watch, uh, a bracelet. I mean, she bought me a cross necklace, had a Bible on me. 
wallet, stuff like that. Signed some papers, you know, gave them my property and then spoke to a nurse and a, a psychologist or psychiatrist. And then uh, they had me sit just in a, in a holding cell for a while as they, you know, decided what was going to happen. And I wasn't, I wasn't cuffed at all during this. From there, I think we went back and, and took some more, another round of like fingerprints and photos. And then... Then at that point, uh, you know, they, they handcuffed me and, and brought me to the block that I was going to be on. And the worst part is that I was not in the best mindset going into this, you know, very depressed and, and stressed out. And uh, I guess, you know, the the way I answered some of these questions to the, the psychiatrist, uh, they thought the safest decision was to put me on, on suicide watch for, for a week and, uh, you know, put me in a, a fun blue turtle suit for a few days. So that, you know, doesn't make things any better at all. Oh, my God. For those of you who don't know, a turtle suit, as described by Nate, is like a heavy wool fabric draped over you like an apron with nothing allowed underneath. Nate had no pillow, no mattress, just a sleeping bag made out of the same material, and he was put in a foam cell by himself for five days. No books, no TV, absolutely nothing. This was Nate's first experience of jail. He did get one shower a day, and it took about 10 days to get his phone numbers verified to where he could start talking to his family and friends. Nate was in Center County Jail for about a month and a half, then transferred to Smithfield, then Camp Hill, and then State Correctional Institution, Rockview. They knew how stressful it was being in that suicide cell, so... Some of the, the inmate workers, you know, were, were nice to me. You know, they were helping me out as much as they could. And then when I got out, you know, just on, on the block with everybody else, you know, they kind of took me in and, you know, were, you know, giving me some commissary and, you know, just keeping, keeping me busy and as nice. sane as possible. Okay. Wow. That's, that's nice. And then, what, they call your name and you get transferred... Nope, they don't even they don't even call your name. You you get woken up at four thirty in the morning saying that you are getting transferred. That's your that's your wake up call. Pack your stuff, you know, you're leaving. Oh wow. Yeah. So wasn't you know, I was planning on moving soon, but not that night <laughs> or that morning. Um, so again okay. again I was, you know, in a uh stressful, panicky state and just very overwhelmed it's just you know I got I got comfortable there so you know even though I was ready to you know move on and get to where I where I am now I at the same time you know it's it's the unknown again I don't know what's going to happen I don't know what's going on where I'm going mm-hmm. and where'd you end up going so from there they transferred us to Smithfield which is kind of the uh, first part of the intake process they originally used that jail as like for COVID um, to kind of keep everyone distant. So, and they still 
pretty much used it for that. So we were in, I was there for about 28 days and you're stuck in the cell with a cellmate the entire time. We get, you know, a shower a day, one to two phone calls a day, which is nice. And then one block out a day of, of two hours. Uh, and that's, unfortunately, you know, that's not going outside. That's just going downstairs, you know, talking to people, playing cards, games, whatever you want to do. But on the bright side, there's a TV in the cell. So, you know, it gives you something to do or, you know, while you're just sitting around. Mm-hmm. And then from there, they move you uh, to Camp Hill, which is the main the main central jail, Pennsylvania, central office. And that's where, you know, you finish the, the intake process. So that's where so you, you go there, you get a block called R Block, and not a fun block at all. Pretty much the same thing for, for a week straight. You know, you're just stuck in the cell. This time, no TV, no block out time, shower a day, phone call a day. We have a book, but that's about it. Um, no activities, no nothing. And during that week that you're there, you know, you go through um, different interviews, you know, talking to doctors, the dentist, psychiatry, taking um, some different, like, educational tests to see, you know, where you sit for different things. So you take, like, a comprehensive reading computer test. You take an IQ test. And then from there, uh, you kind of... You speak to some other different staff members to try to determine, you know, what programs to put you in. Um, And then after that week or so, um, you get moved to a regular intake block, which has a little more freedom. You know, still very restrictive since you're just there for the intake process. But you can, you have a TV in your block or in in your cell. You have, you know, three yards a day on the individual block you can go to. You know, you can use the phone once a day shower once a day and uh you can also go to like some some of the other programs they have like uh church and bible study i was able to go to the gym once a week uh, for an hour and uh they have a big yard that has like a track and you can play like football or soccer or anything you can do that once a week as well once a week once a week yeah i mean like i said you have the, the individual block yard that you get three times a day but it's a very small yard one or two, you know, workout machines and a basketball court. This is a call from Pennsylvania State yeah. Correctional Institution, Rockview. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. Yeah, basketball court and some cornhole. And they, it's it's very restrictive. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't want to, you know, when, when you're at Camp Hill, you don't want to talk back to any of the staff or the COs or, you know, you get, written up for the stupidest things or go to the hole for the stupidest things. You're only given, you know, you can only have a, a five-minute shower, you know, every day. Like, it's literally timed. Um, oh, gosh. So, yeah. It's so, like, and that's the intake process that everybody goes through before then. Okay, yep. so ev- every... Everybody goes to Camp Hill before they get placed to their home jail because that's, that's where... Uh, they figure know, out... The state determines where to put you based on, you know, how much time you have, what level you are, you know, what programs you need to take. Um, okay. Yeah, I was okay. hoping you know, to to be placed at a home jail closer to Massachusetts on the eastern part of the state, but uh, you know they decided to put me right back in in Center County where the charges are from. So here I am now at Rockview. Okay, so then you get transferred to Rocky, you know, and you're going there knowing that this is probably going to be your home jail. Yep. 
yeah, space for a, a, a while, and um, you get there, and are you placed right away in gen like in population, or do you have to go yep. through that whole process again of? Yeah, so so general general population. Still, you know, there's a few little intake things that you do. You know, you meet with the dentist again. You know, you meet with psychology and psychiatry, and you talk with different people about the programs uh, that you're being placed in. There's a really big block here. It's 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 A and D block that is just this massive building. I mean, you've been here and you've you've seen the building. Hold on, let me clarify. Yes. I've been to SCI Rockview. However, it was not as an inmate. I was there once for a three-hour visitation, and holy cow, the difference between the security at SCI Rockview and CCJ is night and day. I was very impressed by the professionalism, kindness, and security at Rockview. They deserve a shout out. It's five levels of, of cells, you know, probably fitting three to maybe 400 inmates on each side. Um, you know, you're, you're locked in pretty much the entire day. You know, you only have TV if you bought a television and cable. You can go to the, the yards and everything and still go to activities. But, you know, since it's, there's a lot of, you know, violence and, and different things out on that block. It's a lot harder to actually get a, a CO to come and open your door for a pass that you might have, just because they're only walking around every so often. But you, know, you still get the phone call, you get two block outs a day, um, you know, on the block, you can go to the, the chapel and you have a job and, you know, go to yard. But after the second day, I met with the counselor from that block. He just, you know, read through my file, saw what level I was, you know, where I was coming from, and he suggested my move to the back of the jail, you know, which you have to be a level two to be in. You, a lot of the people that have jobs here in the jail are back here. Uh, there's probably only maybe, you know, 20% of the population of this jail back on this side. And right now I'm on uh, the TC recovery block, and so that's, that's therapeutic community, which is one of the programs I have to take. Um, you know, that's just for, you know, behavioral, you know, any type of uh, drug problems or alcohol problems, you know, just trying to better yourself. So right now I'm on the recovery side, you know, just hanging around waiting to, to be placed in this program, which I'm told is still going to be a while. But I have the ability to go to uh, two different groups every day that we can participate in and you know that's that's also a requirement to stay on this block is to still you know participate in some of the groups and those are AA, NA, uh, Double Trouble Recovery, SMART. They're all like 12-step programs uh, which mm. I honestly don't feel that I need to be put in this program but for some reason you know they, they added it to my you know my, my recommended programs. I couldn't help myself. I had to point out the fact that inmates likely knew Nate was a newbie. Fresh meat. I asked him if he felt that sense, or if he felt targeted, or if he felt in danger at all. Targeted was a, <laughs> a good word. Uh, I think that's one reason that uh, I was moved off of A block, because I just was not the 
type of person to be on that block to begin with, and I'm very lucky and reluctant that they moved me here so quickly because that's, you know, that 90% of the, the, the intake, the incoming inmates go to that block for however long. You know, I was very lucky to, to be put back here after two days. But, you know, here uh, it's a very... It's an open block, you know, there's no cells, uh, kind of like office cubicles where you have, you know, multiple different uh, cellmates with you. It's a, just a big open room. So, I mean, you have like arguments and you might not get along with certain people, but, you know, for the most part, this being uh, pretty much an honor block, everyone's, you know, here to try to better themselves. And, you know, that's, like I said, that's a requirement to be on this block is to be wanting to better yourself. Right. So there's not fights and it's not, you don't feel, you can sleep at night without one eye open? <laughs> Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, back, back, back in, uh, you know, County and Smithfield, I was really having trouble with sleep. It was, it was bad just because I was trying to, you know, get acclimated to the, the new environment I was in. You know, I was having nightmare after nightmare about, you know, just being there, you know, uh. about the metal doors shutting and locking and, yeah, but a lot better now, you know, in a better state, you know, trying to, again, better myself and take as many different programs and classes and activities as I can to, you know, just stay busy. I was also curious if Nate had become acquainted with anyone that he will likely keep in touch with when he's released. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I got I got some great cellmates right now, and uh, you know, I met great people, uh, you know, both at Smithfield Camp Hill and County Jail. You know, I took down a, some some information from. Um, wow. Obviously, you know, being in jail, you don't want to make friends. You know, you might just want to make close, good, close uh, acquaintances. I have always heard that you never ask an inmate what his or her charges are. And I was curious if Nate's cellmates knew why Nate was incarcerated. I mean, I, for me, you know, I don't care what people are here for and and they don't really need to know what I'm here for, but that's something that, you know, everyone, everyone finds out, you know, they're, they're nosy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, because I'm going to be honest, I watch a lot of uh, 60 Days In, and I just get curious if that's really what it's like. I mean, I'm not, I I'm know enough to know that it's TV, and, yeah, you know. I think I think they dramatize it a little bit, and they definitely film more of the, the violent facilities. This is probably, I've been told that this is one of, this, this jail's not like jail, this is a very easygoing, laid-back facility, and so I'm lucky to be put here, and maybe that was the reason that I was put here, but, um, yeah, there's definitely, I mean, you hear about things on, you know, some of the other blocks, you know, fights and, you know, all stabbings and different types of violent acts, you know, just over the stupidest, childish things, like, you know, someone not paying someone back in in commissary or stuff like that, which is Mm -hmm. ridiculous. And as we were finishing up, Nate informed me that there are a number of people incarcerated with him working on their education, college and or GED, vocational programs, business certs, 
HVAC certs, creative writing classes, art classes, and there are a number of classes that are available to inmates that are run by Penn State. Props to Penn State for helping the inmates. You guys, I'm so naive to all of this that I asked Nate if he knew what day it was. Yeah, so every day is posted uh, on the block a call-out list, um, and that it tells, you know, where you have to be or, or where you're supposed to be, you know, what time, stuff like that. But I have, I have like, a, a monthly daily planner, you know, okay. an address book and everything that I, I keep all my different things in so I, I remember where I have to go when, you know, mm-hmm. when we have our calls. I usually, I usually write down when our call is any, you know, video visits or, which is kind mm-hmm. of cool, you know, you can have in-person visits and you can have video Zoom visits, um, you know, you get the phone calls. You have one minute left. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Okay, one more, one more. Or thanks for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. Okay, I'll try to finish this quick because I got to go All right. uh, bring the meal trays back soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, so you get, you know, in-person visits, video visits, your phone calls, and then, you know, you can get commissary, you know, at all the different jails, which is, you know, pretty much just like an, an in, in-jail store of different things. Um, people can send you care packages, you know, every, every few months uh, from the outside. Um, really? Yeah, and then you can also get, um, you know, mail sent into you and uh, books. Or what kind of care packages can you, um, what, what are people allowed to send you? It's, it's stuff from the commissary, um, pretty much. It's like, it's just an outside company um, that has pretty much all the commissary food, some other different types of food that we might not have access to. So yeah, every, every quarter, you know, they can send any type of, you know, food items, and you can also get a, a shoe purchase because you can purchase some outdoor, outdoor, like, running shoes and stuff. Like, I guess some nice, some nice Nikes for, for running in the gym. Oh, um, yeah, and then you can also, you know, I, I have people send me, you know, books, and my mom sent me a calendar, and, you know, this monthly planner, and you get, you know, mail from, from different, you know, places. And but you have to get it, don't you have to get it directly from, like, Amazon? It can't come from... Yeah, correct, yeah, yeah so all yeah. that kind of stuff has to come directly from the distributor. Obviously, mail, like, letters or cards or stuff like that, um, that can get sent right from the home, but it gets sent to uh, a facility in Florida where they photocopy it all, and then they send it digitally to the jail here, and then it gets printed out, so you don't even get the original copy. Wow, so so can you get, like, that's different, because when I get inmate mail, it's the actual... They don't. Yeah, so I can I can I can send out mail like right to the person right. but for me to receive the mail it gets photocopied. So everything that someone sends you is photocopied. And read, and read and photocopied. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. To close it up, I asked Nate what a typical day was like for him. And then some random questions that I was curious about. Take a listen. So they, you know, they turn the lights on 6 a.m. You know, we do a, we do a count at 6.30. Count usually clears by 7. And at that point, you know, if you, that's when, you know, I go get the, the meal trays because that's my block job is getting all the trays for our, all the different meals for our block. From there, also, if you get meds or stuff like that, you go and get that. Um, by 8 o'clock, that's usually when different 
activities or education, stuff like that starts. And then, uh, like I said, breakfast is around 7. Um, the meal times are all messed up. We usually do lunch between, like, 10 and 11, and then we have another count at 12.30 until about 1 o'clock, and then you got more activities. Uh, and then there's usually, like, between 3.34. ridiculous because, <laughs> mm. then you know, you're almost forced to order things off commentary so you're not hungry by safe. Of course. Um, yeah. yeah, so 4 o'clock, you got another count at 4. Usually clears about 5 o'clock. Um, and then you have the remainder of the night for, you know, more activities or stuff like that, meetings, uh, you know, if you go to Bible studies or church, stuff like that. And then you have another count at 9 o'clock, and then lights are usually out between, like, 9.15, 9.30. Do most people go to sleep at that time? Is it pretty quiet in um, your block around 9.30? Yeah, it's relatively quiet about that time. I usually try to fall asleep around 10. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm, you know, people have reading books. You know, still doing stuff like that. Like the lights are off, but you still have like some security lights on. Mm -hmm. uh, people are watching. You know, you got TVs, tablets, so people are you know using those, watching TV. Mm -hmm. What's your What's your card game of choice? Do you play cards? Card game of so I Jack. I actually learned a few in county. I like spades. Yeah. Um, I also learned uh, palace and casino. There were a few others I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I learned to play chess in county. That was pretty fun. So, oh, yeah, I have no idea. Chess board. Well, we'll have, we'll have to play some chess someday. Oh, yeah, so you can beat me because I don't know how to do it? That's well, great. But you got, <laughs> hey, you got some time to learn. <laughs> then I'll play against you and Euchre. Do you know how to play Euchre? Yeah, I don't. Oh, we'll play Euchre. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. One game of chess, one game of Euchre. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a Michigan thing. Um, yeah, but... Oh my gosh! So, and then oh, I know what I want to ask you. What's your, what's your favorite meal? Uh, well, you know it, it's not it's no uh, uh, steakhouse here, but um, you know you get some good meals. I I personally the I think the chicken parm's the best. You know we also get tacos. Uh, today was Fish Friday, so we got some fish. This but then there's definitely Pennsylvania State Correctional Institution, Rockview. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. Then there's definitely some meals that aren't really the best. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the worst? When that comes around, you're like, oh. Honestly, one, like, we get just like a, a bologna and cheese sandwich some, some days. Oh, barf. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you usually get, you know, you, they try to keep the meal balance you know you get your main course your vegetable usually some fruit uh sometimes a dessert like an ice cream or a, a, a sherbet or stuff like that yeah wow all right is there anything else and then you just yeah and then and then uh you know just with with the stuff you can get off commissary people make some some crazy things you know uh i got someone that was next to me that likes to make uh cheesecake and fudge and it's amazing and it's crazy that you know you're just making it from items from the commissary wow yeah people get very inventive do they share oh yeah or share or you know you you buy it from somebody you know yeah you trade some commissary items that you have you know for for what they made some of this stuff you know you don't have an oven to or a stove to make it so it takes time wow that is crazy um what kind of drinks do you have there? Is it just, do you just have water and uh, milk? Yeah, so the morning, you know, you 
usually you get a, a milk and a juice, um, and then you know from commissary you can purchase like powdered stuff, and you can get coffee and and um, all different different types of things. I got some teas. Can you get soda? Um, you can buy soda and ice cream out of the yard. Yeah, with some tickets that you buy off commissary. I, don't know. I mean, out on the street, my favorite is definitely a, a good steak and some potatoes, but closest you can get here is like a, a meatloaf, meatballs, or, you know, Salisbury steak. And when Nate is released, he wants a nice steak and potatoes. Dee and I hope to join him during this meal or at least one soon after. Doing what Nate did today and sharing some of his most difficult memories is nothing I can imagine doing. Thank you to Nate's mother for being so vulnerable and open into one of the worst memories a mother can go through. Here are her final words. Quote, this past year has been a very stressful and difficult time for all of us. But getting the chance to speak with him on the phone at least once a week, as well as being able to do a video chat with him at least once a month, has been a blessing. I've also had the opportunity to go to Pennsylvania twice so far to spend a little bit of quality time with him. Hearing about all of the activities that he has been involved in and the plans he is making to benefit his future have been a blessing, but it still does not replace the time we are missing with him while he is in there, end quote. Thank you to every one of our patrons. Because of your generosity and consistent support, we are able to bring on new cases and help more families seek the justice they deserve. If you'd like to join this incredible community, check out patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, backslash, can't stop, won't stop. It'll cost you a minimum of $3 a month, and your money goes towards helping grieving families. In order to continue our passion, we need your help to support our donations to families, headstones for deceased loved ones, FOIA requests for loved ones, hotel and travel costs for us to meet grieving families, and so much more. Again, that's patreon.com backslash can't stop, won't stop. We appreciate you. I can't stop and I won't stop being a warrior for justice. Too many people are afraid to speak up and tell their truth. I'm here to give you the confidence to use your voice and share your story. Our voices matter. Your voice matters. Use your First Amendment right and speak up. That's how we create change. Be a warrior and fight for justice. For almost daily updates, you guys, you can follow me on TikTok at MyLindsayAnn. I'm also on Instagram at MyLindsayAnn and on Facebook at Can't Stop, Won't Stop, where we go live 
every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. We are also on YouTube at Can't Stop, Won't Stop Warriors. Thank you to Mr. Peace for allowing me the rights to use the song, Where'd You Go?, featuring our beloved Jacqueline Elizabeth Egypt Covington. You know, I don't know why so much pain and loss has to happen. I don't have all the answers. Only he does. And sometimes the best thing to do is, is just trust it. It was back in 04 when Grandpa died and my shirt was soaking wet with tears from my eyes. You tried to calm me down, tried to plead your case, but I just bit that face right back in your face. And you said, well, you may not understand now. Somehow, someday, some way, you'll find out why it had to be. Yeah, according to his plan, he won't put you through anything that he thinks you can't make it through. With his everlasting love, you may need to scream at the top of your lungs. Because while you think he died at too young an age, it really was his time. There's no reason for rage. He's in a better place now, away from the pain and the stress and the hate and the hurt. 